As they're uh, making their way out, if you have your Bibles, you can go on over to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We're actually uh, continuing in a topical study, so we're going to be all throughout the Bible. Most of it we'll put up on the screen here. But um, if you need a Bible, should be one there in the pew in front of you. Feel free to utilize that one. So you guys pray for the Varners today. Actually, this week we dropped off the kiddos last night, yesterday, at Grandma's house. And I've already seen the video footage online. Grandma's already at it. I mean, man, they are having a blast. You know how you grandparents are. Yeah, you didn't do that to your kids, but boy, those grandkids, you spoil them rotten, don't you? <laughs> so they're having a blast. They're, they're at Grandma's house, having a good time. Actually, uh, should be at the Sam's church about this time, so that's exciting. I uh, told, told the kids, now you take Grandma to church. You know, make sure she goes. And so they're there, hopefully, um, this morning as well. But it was kind of cool, i got to admit. Um, I could actually afford to take my wife to Sandpiper last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you ain't paying for six, man. We're going out and eating, honey. Let's go. And so we did, and uh, it was a good time. Of course, you know, you can't go wrong over there. My blood pressure's uh, might not like it so much, but boy, you can't love me some shrimp, fried shrimp, and some fish, some flounder. I better hush, because y'all going to be, hurry up, preacher, we got to get to lunch now. But uh, speaking of uh, next week, now not lunch, but supper, next Sunday, Varner Shindig. And I want to see every one of you there. I want you to bring a friend, invite some neighbors, co-workers, whatever. Man, it's just a good time. This is a great opportunity for you all to invite someone. So please do that. Me casa su casa, my house, your house. We'll welcome you there. We'll have a good time. Hopefully the weather, we're keeping our eye on it. You know, a little rain all week. Well, last year, we saw almost a miracle. I remember Tommy and Tammy, we were setting up. Y'all remember that? And that rain, that storm, that, that sail was like, oh, we are going to get hammered. And it just went around us. It was like, whoa, thank you, Lord. Can't promise you that's going to happen this go-around. So bring an umbrella if we need it. We'll, we'll figure it out. It should be a good time. Looking forward to you guys being there. And uh, it's always, always fun. So bring your yard chair. More, more next week. Are you in? That's the question. Yes, I heard a yes. I like that. That's good. That should be the answer for all of us. As followers of Christ, yes, I'm in. Of course I'm in. We're in this thing. And um, we've been talking about it. So just by way of recap, Randall gave you some cliff notes just a little while ago. Thank you, Randall. The first one, we are to what? It's the I-N word. Internalize. Yeah, we've been talking about the importance of, number one, salvation. You need to internalize Christ. If you don't have Christ as your Lord and Savior, it begins there. You've got to receive Christ by faith. For by grace have you been saved through faith, not of work. So internalize Christ. But what else? As, as, as followers of Christ, we need to internalize what? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Yes, if we're going to navigate this world, we're going to have to internalize the Word of God. If we don't know the Word of God, no wonder you're tripping. No wonder you're stumbling. No wonder you're, you're groping through the darkness, right? Ever, ever do that in the middle of the night? Get up and have to go to the bathroom, and so you're going to be that person because you don't want to turn the light on wake everybody else in the house. So you're just going to kind of try to feel your way to the bathroom. And without fail, there's always something you forgot you left in the floor, right? You come, oh, used to be the Legos for the kids, right? The worst was the time the dog, anyway, I won't, anyway. We've been there, right? Guys, that's us spiritually speaking. If we're not internalizing the Word of God, we're kind of walking blindly. 
And God reminds us that His Word is a light unto our path. It's a lamp unto our feet. So you and I need the Word of God internalized in order to navigate whatever mess you're dealing with. You're dealing with mess. I know that. You're people. Guess what? I'm people too. We all deal with mess. And God's given us His instruction and His Word to help us deal with the mess. (laughs) And so if you're struggling this morning, I want to encourage you. Internalize the Word of God. Internalize it. Today's going to be a help in that as well because not only are we to internalize, what else are we to do? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I only had one cup of coffee this morning and the kids ain't here, so y'all going to have to wake up. I mean, that's just all there is to it. God bless you. There's one. See, I know I get an amen over here. I know that's right. We got to invest, guys. We got to invest. What are we investing in? That's what today's sermon is going to be about, so I don't want to unpack it too much, but I'll just say this. We've got to make disciples. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. What's the third one? We've got to influence. We've got to influence. In other words, we've got to impact this community for Christ. We've got to influence the world around us. You are agents of change as followers of Christ. Have you ever stopped and thought about the world that you're in today, specifically America? Had those early followers of Jesus Christ, that little group of 12, had they not internalized, had they not invested, had they not begun to influence the culture around them, there would be no America. And we don't realize, we don't stop because it's all being erased in our history and everything's being removed. But guys, there are still some things around you today that speak to the influence, the investment, and the internalization. Next time you go to the hospital, you go to the doctor. What's the symbol? Cross, what's wrapped around it? Serpent. Where does that come from? Remember Moses in the wilderness? Fashioned the bronze serpent. He lifted up. They'd all been snake bitten. And if you look to this, what would happen? Healing. Healing. That's why you go to the doctor to get some healing. You know where it's anchored, guys? The Word of God, because there's only one ultimate physician, one healer. Guys, we could go on, I could spend the whole morning doing things just like that. You're writing, you're reading. It's because of the Christian movement, the influence that has swept across the Western world. There's so much that we benefit from that we've completely and utterly forgotten. It is a direct result because that first church decided that they were going to internalize Christ and His Word. And they were going to invest in each other's lives. And they were going to influence the world around them. That's why that's our mission statement now. That's why we're relaunching Community Baptist Church. Now, and that's probably not good. Look, guys, this, this, this is a generational relay race. That first leg of the race was ran well. We, we, we're out front. So all I'm saying, Community Baptist Church of today, let's don't drop the baton, all right? We got our part to do, all of us. And if you're here walking, talking, breathing, you're watching online, you still got a little pulse in your brain, you're, you're, in, the, you're in it, you're in the race. Keep running it. Keep running it. Amen there too. I like it. See, it's all around it. Are you, are you in? Are you in? I hope you're in this morning. Let's uh, again look to the Word of God. Matthew 28, 
And this is Christ as he's uh, getting ready to leave his disciples. He leaves them with this great instruction. Notice if you would. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. While they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Father, I pray this morning you would allow me to decrease and that Christ within would increase. Lord, let me be a vessel simply to proclaim your truth with passion. Lord, with power, Holy Spirit power. That, Lord, you would open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth that you desire us to receive today. That our lives would be affected. That our hearts would be changed. And that out of the abundance of the heart, our mouths would speak and our actions would follow. And so, Lord, have your will and way. Thank you for what you're doing at Community. Thank you for the visitors. Thank you for the new faces. Thank you for the new members class. Thank you for, Lord, the senior saints that have served faithfully for generation upon generation and are still serving today. Bless them, Lord. Bless all of us as we, as we unite together for the cause of Christ. Lord, there's still much, much work to be done. Draw us in for your namesake. In Christ's holy name, amen. When it comes to discipleship, here's your outline for those of you who like to take notes. When it comes to discipleship, it starts with an invitation. It requires a time of investing. And the third thing that we'll look at today it must be intentional. So this is what we're going to look at. This is what we're going to talk about. And, uh, you know, you've heard the TED Talk. So it's not going to be a TED Talk, but it will be a pastor talk. Because, uh, again, I, I'm not big on those things. But I feel like there are times in the family we need to have a sit-down conversation. And so I want to have a sit-down conversation today. I want us to talk about the importance of our purpose, what we're doing, why we're doing it. And just sort of remind us all not to forget whose we are. We've been bought with a price, and so therefore let's glorify God in our bodies. Let's remember our mission. So it starts with an invitation. It requires a time of investing, and it must be intentional. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to unpack this. So point one, it, discipleship starts with an invitation to Christ. Starts with an invitation to Christ. You can't be a disciple, a disciple by definition, a follower of Christ. Now, some people have quote-unquote disciples. Some people try to make disciples for themselves, but those are all false disciples, false followers of a false God. But when it comes to true discipleship, true discipleship, 
means that we are followers of Jesus Christ. We're little Christ. We want to follow Him. We want to... In fact, that was His phrase when He would often call His disciples to Himself. The phrase He would often use, we'll see it in Scripture in a little while, follow me. God bless you. Well, let me ask you this question. And I want to see a show of hands. I don't want to see a show of hands. I want you to think about this question. Are you following Him? I mean, can, can I say that I'm following after Christ in this way. And there may be some areas in our life where we can say, yeah, you know, I am in that area. And I think that's part of the problem and why we're not influencing the world as we should is because we've compartmentalized our faith. You know, we're, we're, it's kind of like we invite Jesus into our home Right? You've heard this illustration. Maybe you've seen a skit done like this before from a youth group, or maybe you've done it on a missions trip where, you know, you, you, we'll invite Jesus into our quote unquote home, and, and you know, we'll, we'll give him the, maybe the, the kitchen. He can have free reign there, or maybe we can give him free reign in the, in the, in the living room, so to speak, spiritually speaking, right? Uh, metaphorically speaking. We'll give him the kitchen, we'll give him the living room, uh, but, but you can't have this closet back here. This closet's got kind of my stuff in it, and I don't, want, I don't really want you to see that because I'm kind of embarrassed about that stuff I've got hidden over here. Well, it's not really following after Christ, is it? It's not really allowing Christ to come in because when Christ comes into your life, He has access, desires access for every room in the house. He wants all of you, not part of you, not just some of you on Sunday and then the rest of the week is your time. No, when Christ comes in, when we invite Christ, when by faith we receive Christ, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Part of your walk, part of your following Jesus is learning to lay down those things. And it's not easy. I'm not standing up here trying to tell you that we've arrived. We haven't arrived. But as we're running the race, we are learning to set off things that are slowing us down. And that's the point. You know, we just came off of the Olympics, Summer Olympics. I don't know if any of you watched any of it. Some of it was cool. You know, it gets kind of exciting, some of that stuff. But you know, in the original games, the Olympics, what they would do oftentimes, uh, cover your ears, kids. Sometimes those athletes would run nude. All right? Yeah, glad they didn't have TV back then. But... You know what? They, they laid aside the weights. That was the point. They didn't want anything to hinder them in the run. They didn't want anything to slow them down, anything that could catch wind resistance, whatever. And so that's why we've got runners in our midst today, folks that run. You know, you don't go out there with a backpack on, right, with a couple of bricks in the back. I'm tearing it up today. Woo! Check it out. Center blocks on the back row. No, right? You're trying to set off that weight. You, that's why you, back in the 80s we had the Umbro shorts. Anybody remember those? Dude, that was like the cheapest material. I mean, man, they were terrible. I remember one time I was trying to impress some kids and uh, some little girls doing some cheerleading stuff, and I thought, I can do that, and I did a little toe touch, split my umbros in half. I'm not kidding. They didn't just like split, they fell off. Right side, left side, they were gone. And I had to, you talk about running, I ran from the, because we had like a neighborhood park, through our community, all the way to my house. And it's like a block and a half. And I know those neighbors were like, there goes that Varner kid again, in my undies. I ain't kidding, true story. Got to the house, the door's locked, and my parents are not home. I got to get in the house. I'm in trouble. I ain't told y'all this story. I know I've told y'all this story. Anyway, 
I'm trying to get the window open, and I'm trying to raise the window to get it open, and it's not going to come up far enough for me to get in and climb through. And, it was, and we live in a trailer, and so you know it's got the, like the three or four fold out like this, and all of a sudden, the thing shatters. I was like, oh! I got in, and I got my clothes on, but Daddy pulled them down when, I, when he got home. Boom! Woo! Because I busted the window. True story, true story. But guys, my point is this. When you run the race, when you run the race for Jesus, you don't need things that's going to hold you back and slow you down. And so God is at work. That's sanctification. We know salvation. You've got to receive Christ. You've got to be in Christ. That's your justification. When Christ died on the cross, He paid it in full. It's paid in full. And He's offering salvation. And by faith you receive that salvation. Boom! Not guilty. Now I'm in the race. Now I've got my runner's number. But now sanctification. And so I got to, he's working on me to lay aside the things that are going to trip me, the things that are going to mess me up, the things that are going to, you know, get in my way. And so that's why we grow in our faith. And that's why investing is important. Discipleship starts with an invitation. It starts with an invitation. Lord, I surrender. I surrender all. And I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to, by faith, I want to receive Christ. And that can only happen if the Spirit of God is drawing you. But if the Spirit of God is convicting you of your sin, if the Spirit of God is saying to you that there's a better way, that I desire to give you life and give you life abundantly, then respond by receiving that invitation. Trust Him. And so there's an invitation to Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, He said, Come to Me. Come to me. There's an invitation in that, is there not? Come to me, all you who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, we religious people, sometimes we want to put the backpack on and we want to load it with bricks called religiosity. God's not impressed with your religion. He's not impressed with your good deeds. He's not impressed that you've got all 23 Sunday school pens for the last 23 years. He's not impressed. In fact, He says that our good deeds are like filthy rags. Because He's pure, He's holy. And there's nothing that we can bring to Him that can improve upon Him. You see, when God offered you something, He had to offer you the best, Himself. That's why Christ comes. That's why by faith when we receive Christ, we receive the best gift that you could ever receive. And so you can continue to try and get to heaven on your own and try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, but guys, you're not going to do that. God simply offers you His gift. His gift of salvation. And if you by faith will receive that and allow Him to begin to work in your heart to change the way you think, and you live, and your heart begins to feed on those things of truth, and you begin to delight actually in the things that God says we should delight in, it'll be amazing how you will begin to say, you know what, I don't really need this backpack anymore. And while I'm at it, I think I'm going to lose this sweatshirt too called pornography. In fact, you know, I'm going to take these sweats and set them aside of lying. I'm going to keep these 
Umbro's on though, because I heard Pastor Jeremy's story, and so actually no, I'm gonna take them off and get a better pair. <laughs> I don't know, guys. What again? What what is the things you need to set aside to run the race? Come to me. You see, it's hard to be righteous on your own. In fact, it's impossible. It's impossible. But if by faith you receive the righteousness that Christ offers you, you will be clothed completely in the robe of righteousness, His righteousness. In fact, the Bible says His righteousness is imputed into our account. And when He imputes His righteousness into your bank account, spiritually speaking, you're no longer spiritually bankrupt. There's unlimited resources. Luke 5.32 says this, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Christ says, look, if you think you've got it all together, you think your sister, uh, uh, I was going to name some, but I, I didn't mean to. <laughs> he just said my name. Anyway, sister better than you, right? Or, or brother better than you. Right? If, you, if your sister better than you or brother better than you, then you know what? There's not a lot of help there. I can't help you. Because we all have to come to the point to realize that there's none righteous. No, not one. We're all sinners. And Christ didn't come to call those people who think they got it together. Christ came to call those of us who recognize and know, man, I, I, I mess up. I, I'm a sinner. I can't do this. I need help. I need somebody to save me. Save me from myself. And that's who Christ is. That's what Christ came to do. And so if you're sitting here today and you're feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders or maybe you've messed up, maybe you've tripped in the race, maybe you're not even in the race yet and you're beginning to understand that, you know what, I am a sinner. I ain't exactly got it together. I ain't exactly done what I'm supposed to do. I've lied. I've stolen. I've, I've committed adultery. I've had whatever, whatever. Can I let you in on something? So is everyone in the room around you. So don't believe the lies of Satan who are whispering to all of you, yeah, but if they knew what I did. It doesn't matter if they knew what you did. Somebody does know what you did. His name is God. He's the one who gives you life and He gives you breath and He still loves you in spite of what you did. That's good news. Now, He doesn't want you to continue in that sin. And that's why it's important that you and I come to realize that I need to bring that sin to the cross. I need to recognize who Jesus is and what He's done for me. Because when I lay down my life of sin and I take the life that Christ is offering me by faith and I receive that by faith and I begin to live by faith in that, I don't want to pick that up again. I don't want to do that again. I don't desire to keep going that way. I want to follow Christ. And that's that transformed heart. That's that internalization that we're talking about. And then that begins with the invitation. Again, an invitation to Christ. John 7, 37 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You see, Christ is still 
offering an invitation to whosoever will let them come. And if you're here today, or you're watching online, and you've never repented, you've never turned from your sin and turned to Christ for the salvation you desperately need, turn to Him today. You've been trying to figure this thing out on your own. You've been trying to maybe walk on your own and do this in your own strength. Can I just tell you? Lay it down. It's too heavy. You can't run with it. Come to Him. He'll give you rest. Take on His yoke. It's light. It's light. And you'll be able to run that race with the lightness of the garment of Christ. Discipleship starts with an invitation to Christ. It also... Starts with an invitation to others. Starts with an invitation to others. Uh, let's turn to John 1, 35. Everybody take your Bible. Let's go. This one's not on the screen. Let's go to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And let's look in John chapter 1. And let's begin our reading in John 1. 35, John 1, 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God! By the way, there's an invitation to others, isn't it? Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard Him speaking, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to Him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. There's an invitation. Come and see. You want to know where Jesus is going? Come and see. That invitation is open here today. You're not sure where you're at in your life. You're not sure where you need to be going. Not sure what direction to go. Come and see. Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother... Simon, and said to him, We found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. <laughs> you might want to underline that one, church. He brought him to Jesus. When's the last time you brought someone to Jesus? When's the last time you brought someone to church? And some of you have, and I praise God for you. Discipleship starts with an invitation to Christ, but it, it continues with a, with a discipleship, uh, with an invitation to others. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You're Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and listened to him. And, and found Philip and said to him, notice what he said to Philip, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him 
of whom Moses in the law and, the, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come see. <laughs> Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. The idea was that he was praying in a remote place, crying out to the Lord. And who knows what he was pouring out to God. And for Jesus to say, I saw you. I saw you under the fig tree. Guys, God knows what's on your heart. He knows exactly what you're struggling with. He knows what you need to lay down. He knows where you're at. He knows the sins you've committed. And yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you and He demonstrated that love at the cross of Calvary. If you ever question God's love for you, look to the cross of Calvary. There's no greater love than someone to lay down their life for you. And by the way, you and I were His enemies when He did it. That's why we had a funeral this past week. Miss Jean we, uh, laid her body to rest. She's with the Lord, praise God, and was able to minister to the family and uh, Pastor Dean and myself. And uh, again, one of the things we're reminded of in the, in the funeral is that death is a very real thing and our hopes in Christ. You know, the only thing in those moments that, that can be a comfort to the family is the certainty of Christ. And so, again, as we uh, work through this idea and understanding, guys, in a, in a dark world, in a time when... when There's a, there's a great need for hope. There's despair. Christ is the only answer. When I look at this passage, by the way, I was going to go somewhere, but my brain went another direction, so we'll leave it over there. Maybe I'll find it later. Um, I want you to... When I look at this passage of Scripture, some key things going on when it comes to discipleship starting with an invitation. We know it started with Christ, but it's also to others. Look how many times in that passage we just read where, where they're actively getting someone else and bringing them to Christ. That's part of our mission. And so when I ask, are you in? Are you willing to invest? Are you willing to do this? Are you, we should all be actively throughout our day looking for someone to extend that invitation to. I mean, again, God's command when we started this message, Matthew 28, it was a command. It wasn't an option. Go, therefore. And by the way, He's given you all the authority 
Because He has all the authority in heaven and earth. He's given you all that you need for life and godliness. He's given you the gospel, the good news. He's given you the Holy Spirit if you're a believer in Christ. So go and do what He asks you to do. These early disciples were doing just that. Found Philip, found Nathaniel, found Simon. Who are we finding? So here's what I want to challenge you to do, a little spiritual application right at this point. Pray about who God would have you to invite into an accountability relationship to grow in Christ. I'm going to say that again. Pray about who God would have you to invite into an accountability relationship to grow in Christ. Because disciples are people who are doing life together. These early disciples, some of them forsook and left their, their, their places of, of work. Many stayed in their places of work. So there's, you know, we're not saying lay down everything, go to jungles of, you know, bonga bonga. Uh, or, uh, you know. But we are saying where God has you and where God leads you, go. In fact, the idea here in the, in the Greek is as you are going about your daily life, make disciples. And so we all need to be looking for those opportunities. So I want you to pray about it. That's the first application from today's lesson. If everyone at Community Baptist Church would get honest before God and begin to pray, God, I want to, as, as we talked about this morning, I, I want to do like uh, with John the Baptist. Behold, I want to point people to Christ. I, I want to go you know, and, and get Nathaniel like, like you see in the screen. I want to see like Phil. I, I want to be like that, Lord. Who, who can I invite? And leave it up to God as to what part of the chain you are. Because by the way, it's, it, there's a chain, right? You know, if you've ever seen the links in a chain, you may be the first link. It may not be in God's plan for you to be the one that actually sees them fully come to trust Christ. You may just simply be the one who says, Hey, why don't you come over to my house sometime for a cookout? We're going to have a little cookout at the house. Maybe that's the first step, just to have a spiritual conversation. Maybe that first get-together doesn't really open up the spiritual conversation. Maybe it's the second link in the, in the chain that comes that says, hey, you ever thought about, I mean, what do you think life's about? I, mean, I don't know what it looks like, but I know it looks like us being active. I know it looks like us investing and inviting because God said go and do it. And so if you and I are going to be followers of Jesus, we have to be doing this. So are you in? Are you in on this? And I'm going to tell you, I'm already seeing it happening. It's already happening. And it's exciting. All right? Prayerfully behind closed doors, there's a lot of conversation going on because we're seeing it happening. Now's the time to let that spark go into a flame. And it can if you're in. If we'll all get active about going and doing life together and making disciples, man, we're going to see something amazing happen. Because that's God's plan. That's what God designed for the church to do. And so I want to encourage you. Discipleship starts with an invitation to others. So pray about that. Begin to ask God. He'll put them on your heart. Well, you know, it's that so-and-so. And just be obedient to what God asks you to do. That's a simple takeaway, guys. Just be obedient to what God tells you to do. Discipleship requires... And by the, yeah, yeah, you saw that. I said that. I quoted that. Discipleship also requires investing. Um, 
it requires an investing with our time. We, um, and, I, and I just admit, been struggling lately. We've been, we've been doing uh, for a while, for maybe what, a year and a half now? I know originally started with uh, some of us getting together. But on Monday nights, about every other Monday night, uh, I'll meet with a handful of guys. My wife meets with a handful of girls. And uh, we just kind of started off just kind of getting together. You know, doing, doing life, reading through James, discussing the Scriptures. By the way, guys, you don't need a fancy program. Okay? I think too often times, Pastor Mark and I were having this conversation uh, this, this past week. Sometimes we, we make it complicated. Uh, and, and i got to admit, we were doing so much better before I introduced y'all to a formal study. I mean, we were just kind of getting together and just reading a few passages and talking about it. Man, it was like we, we were hitting every week. Now all of a sudden introduce a 13-week study and you got to fill in the blanks and do homework at home. It's like, man, we can't get together to save our life, you know. And again, that is sometimes the problem. We, we, we make it a burden, and it's not meant to be a burden. And so I don't know what discipleship model looks best for you, but I know it looks like this. You invest with your time. You get together. And you get together, and there's the Word of God is part of that, whether it's through a reading or whether it's through conversation, whether you're just talking about it. Maybe there's a moment that brings a Scripture thought to mind. I, again, we got to start, but I know it involves... Christ, the Holy Spirit within you, the Word of God before you and in you, and someone beside you, right? And we would get together and we will we'll talk about these things. Um, uh, again, I want to encourage you, find someone who can invest in your life and someone you can invest your life with and in. I've said it this way before. We all need a Paul, a mentor in our life, spiritually speaking. Somebody we can look up to. Somebody who can give us advice and counsel and encouragement in the right direction, a godly direction. We all need a Paul in our life. And we also need a Barnabas. That's a friend beside us. Somebody who's kind of doing life alongside us, right? We all need Barnabases, encouragers walking with us. But then we also need a Timothy. You know, we need somebody... Uh, to pour our hearts and our lives into. Uh, the scripture in Titus, ladies, says older women, pour into younger women. Man, we got some... I'm going to just say this, man. Our, our, our ladies, just the past few weeks, I cannot express enough how wonderful it has been to see y'all pour into the lives of these families that are hurting. Preparing those meals, ministering to them. I mean, words cannot express just the blessing that that is. Using your gifts and seeing some of you other folks coming in. Ladies, you can't drop that baton. Start to invest in some of these younger girls. And I know some of you are. Begin to pull some of these ladies in in those moments and, and, and get them involved because it's, it's a beautiful ministry. And that's part of discipleship. Titus says older women teach younger women. But it takes time. we got to invest our time, right? And that's the one thing the world's stealing from you. The world puts everything else in your path and tries to sell you the lie that that's more important. You know what the problem is? You know why the church is weak today and not as strong as it could and should be? Because our priorities are messed up. I'm going to shoot straight. I'm getting on my soapbox now. Our priorities are out of order. 
Let's just be honest before God. My priorities are out of whack. Other stuff is more important than investing my time and my life with you. Now, we won't say that, but we show that. We show that. Because everything else gets in the way of this time. Everything else steals your time. But I promise you, I had somebody the other day, they, they said something to me, and, and I thought, unbelievable. I can't believe they just said that to me. Now, I'm just being transparent. Sometimes I'm transparent to a fault. I know it gets me in trouble. But I thought, I wanted to say to the person, because in essence, they hadn't had time to do something that was important. And I wanted to say, well, did you have time to brush your teeth this morning? But I didn't. That, wouldn't have been, that would not have been nice, right? And they may not have. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just being real up before you, right? I know, oh, y'all are spiritual. Y'all never had thoughts like that. Okay, my bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I was in a room full of sinners that saved by grace. But anyway. No, look, I get it, guys. I get it. And then, of course, I felt bad afterwards because I thought, well, you know what? No. Because, again, we all choose what's important. But don't we find time to do what's important to us? Oh, I promise you find time. You make time to do what you want to do. I do too. I do too. And so what we have to do is say, Lord, give us a priority shift. Give me a priority shift. You know, when I first came here, 12 years ago, man, I remember Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. You know, first couple months is a honeymoon period, you know. And we'd be packed. We'd have to do our study in here on Wednesday night. I remember Mark taking them through the way of the master. And, and man, all oh, packed in here, and we're doing our role playing and all this kind of stuff, and it was packed. Fast forward, you know, not too long ago. You wonder if anybody's even going to show up. Did, did God change? Or did we change? I argue, guys, that it's our priorities. Our priorities are out of order. Now, look, coming into these four walls doesn't make you any more spiritual than, than being a car in a garage. You know, you, you don't mean your car. Just If you're a person in a garage, you don't mean your car. Just, you, you understand what I'm saying. You see, it's getting thrown off. We've got a garage in the back of the church, and I'm already thinking. <laughs> no, you can get spiritually fed at home. Sure you can. I understand that. But, guys, we're designed for fellowship. We're designed for community. We're designed to do life together. Our relationship and our bond get strengthened when we do this together. That's why our small groups are so awesome. We get together at each other's houses, and we break bread, and we, we get to know each other better. The, the, the opportunity. So, so going back to what I was saying a little earlier, Pastor Mark and I were talking this week, and we were talking about, you know, we confuse discipleship. We make it complicated sometimes. Do you know the church is offering a lot of opportunities for discipleship? Every time we meet, there's, we're discipling. That's what we're doing. This pulpit ministry right now is discipling you. And so is every other time we come together. Because every time we come together, what's at the center of our gathering is Christ and the Word of God. So it's an opportunity for you and I to grow, to be fed spiritually. We don't want to neglect that meal. We don't want to forsake that meal. Because it's another opportunity. For your kids. Oh, man, my heart breaks for you guys. Because I'm telling you, this world is not going to be kind. It's getting dark. 
It's getting dark and it's getting darker by the day. And this place is providing opportunity to pour into your kids, to invest in your kids, to help them see that light better on the path that they're walking. It's going to help them set off those things that are tripping them. And when we let other priorities, I'm just saying, it doesn't help in the race. Discipleship requires investing with our time. Ephesians 5.16 says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's what we've got to do, guys. This is not my words. These are God's words. He's begging His church, His bride. He's saying to us who are rearing our families. He's saying to us as individuals, redeem the time. You've got to buy it back. You're going to, got it. You're going to, have, to be eff- you're going have to put effort into this to, to make it happen. It's not going to come through osmosis. It's not going to be just because you listen to you know, one podcast a week. Or you sing a, uh, you listen to K-Love every time you're in the car. Hallelujah for K-Love. But I'm telling you, the spiritual depth in that channel is about like a Petri dish. I love K-Love. I love listening to it. Now, it might have been a little unfair. But Christian radio, man, we used to grow up... Oh, now I'm turning into that old, that old curmudgeon. Back in our day. But I do remember when radio station was all about teaching. It was all, that's all you'd find on Christian radio was teaching. And then occasionally you'd get a little hour block of maybe some music. I'm not against music. I love music. But again, we're losing our balance in our walk and, and then we're scratching our head as to why the wheels are coming off. I need to move on. We're not going to finish today. I understand you already. <laughs> Colossians 4 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Redeeming the time. Now, Christian, we got to get it figured out. The blind man don't see. So don't expect them to be all excited about your Bible study. <laughs> They're not. Newsflash, all right? Trust me. When I was 24, if you'd invited me to your Bible study, I'd have probably said, can I bring my beer? <laughs> you know, some, some, I, some places today, sure, we have Bible and beer on tap. Anyway. Guys, we've got to be wise about it too, right? We've got to recognize, you know, that, yeah, they're not going to be real excited probably about coming into this place. But you have a relationship with them. God's planted you where you are because they look to you. You know them. You, you're developing your relationship. And so God has you there strategically and, and, and for a point and for a purpose and it's for His namesake. And so I realize, and for some of you, again, I'm not mad about, you know, God has you where you are. Use it for Him. Use it for Him. If that's all we get out of this, use it for Him. All right? That's my heart in this. Use it for Him. 4.14, James says, Whereas do you not know what will happen tomorrow? For what is your life, Just even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? Guys, we've done f- two funerals in the past month. Miss Bobby Hightower, Miss Jean Abbott, I can say they invested their time for the cause of Christ. They heard the words, well done, good 
and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And I promise you on that day, nothing else that you and I think is priority will matter. Nothing, nothing else will matter. And so let's have a heart check. And let's just say, God, I need you to examine my heart. And I want to hear what you want me to do in response. And if I'll just simply listen to what He wants me to do and I begin to trust Him and take those steps of faith, not worrying about what may or may not happen, you will find in that always abundance of life. Because God's way is always better than our way. It's always better. So discipleship requires investing with our lives as well as our time. With our lives. Uh, Luke 12, 13 to 21 says this. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me uh, a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be? which you've provided. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Guys, that is a sobering message for us American believers. Our priorities is the pursuit of the American dream. But I'm wondering if we're getting apathetic and complacent and poor towards the things of Christ. Remember the warning to the church in the book of Revelation? Oh, you, you say you're rich, but you're naked and need to be clothed. Discipleship requires investing with our lives. Yeah, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take some commitment. It's going to take dying to self. But it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Discipleship also, last point, must be intentional. It must be intentional with truth. It must be intentional with truth. Psalm 86.11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Man, if we get this one down, if we just meditate on this one, let this guide us through the week. Let this be your heartfelt prayer this week. Teach me your way. Does God want me to go this way? Oh, wait a minute. 
His word says, absolutely not. Well, whew, I'm glad I didn't go that way then. But you know what happens here? Because we're ignorant of, of God's ways oftentimes. And that's why the blind man, the lost man, he's completely ignorant of his way. And so we go, you know. I'm not supposed to go that way. This is true north. This is actually what the Bible says to go this way. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need a healthy return to the fear of God to understand that His ways are greater than our ways. John 17, 17, one of my favorite passages says this, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You want to know how to get it cleaned up? You want to need Christian bar soap? The Word of God. That's how you're going to sanctify yourself. That's how you're going to... How can a young man cleanse his way? How, how can a young man get his way right? By taking heed according to thy Word. Your Word. I've hidden in my heart. So I won't sin against you. Sanctify them. Jesus is praying this. He says to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Discipleship must be intentional with truth. 3 John 1.4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now think about that. That's pretty exciting. And parents, I promise you, you have that same heart mentality when your children are walking in truth, when they're choosing to do the right things, when they're honoring God with their lives, right? Now, again though, when they mess up or they fall short, how do you respond? Right? How much more does your Heavenly Father who loves you love you and your children? But do we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, may it never be so. And that's why God says in His Word, those whom He loves, He chastens. He chastens His children. There's a time in our life when we're going astray and we're going a wrong way and we're not getting back on track. God will allow things into our life to get our attention, to get us back on track. That's actually love. It's grace. Because he knows if you keep going the way you're going, it's going to lead to death and destruction. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end's death. And so walk in truth. 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. Guys, it's time to make the decision. Am I going to keep fooling myself and lying to God and everyone else around me by my actions, doing my own thing, going my own way. And yet, out of my mouth, I say, oh yeah, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. But I'm living a lie. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. God, 
please teach me your way. Teach me your way. Discipleship must be intentional with deed. This is my last one. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we, church, talking to you, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you're going to be in, you're going to need to internalize the Word. If you're going to be in, you're going to need to invest. And that comes through an invitation. starts with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him today, today surrender your heart and life by faith receive Christ. To as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become, to be called the children of God. Discipleship must be intentional. With deed, we continue. Colossians 3.17, I said the last one, but I'm going to go one more. Maybe, maybe I better check my notes. I don't want to lie. Sorry about that. I repent. That wasn't... Yep, we got two more. How about that? Hallelujah. Here we go. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then 1 John 3.18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see, love apart from truth is not love at all. And truth apart from love is a clanging symbol. Discipleship must be intentional. Conclusion. When it comes to making disciples, are you abiding in Jesus Christ? That's my question. Are you abiding in Jesus Christ? And who are you teaching to abide in Christ? When we teach others to abide in Christ, we follow a very simple pattern of inviting them into relationship, investing our time and lives in them, and being intentional with them about what their lives would look like if lived in the light of the gospel. That's discipleship. And God has commanded us all to go and make disciples. Are you in? Let us pray. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your invitation. You said, if anyone is thirsty, let them come. Lord, there may be somebody here spiritually today that is very thirsty. Draw them. Draw them to yourself. Lord, that by faith they might receive Christ and find the that their spiritual thirst can be quenched by the Spirit of God, the truth of God. Lord, bring them into right relationship today. doesn't matter how many steps away we may have gone, it only takes one to come home to you. And so, Lord, today, let us surrender our hearts and lives to you anew today. Help us, Father, to, uh, again, look to you to find what's needed for our journey. 
Help us to understand this important truth here at Community about investing. And Lord, that's going to take some introspect. It's going to take some priority shift. It's going to take a daily living set apart for the cause of Christ. Draw us to that and help us respond to that with obedience. Lord, we pray today, lay on our heart those that you would have us to invite. Maybe it starts with an invitation to our house. Maybe it starts with an invitation to church. Maybe it starts with an invite to a care group, whatever, Lord. Maybe it starts with a full-on gospel presentation to invite them to you. Come see. Come see. Help us to have that mindset throughout this week. Go before us. Go with us, Lord. Protect us. You said you would. You said, lo, I'm with you always, even into the age. And so as we go from here today, Lord, help us to be mindful about investing in the days we have left for the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Not a problem, sir. Um, this is from Gerald Beamer. Yes. Um, please pray for his father. He's now in the hospital with COVID and double pneumonia. Um, his lungs deflated. They've had to take him to ICU. Yes. Um, basically, it's, uh, they're, they're really concerned about this and asked for prayer. So if everybody yes. remember Yes, thank you, Dr. Carver. So the Zemer's parents down in Florida um, diagnosed with uh, some COVID case. And it's not looking good. So let's just take just a moment. And Brother uh, Dean, um, if you wouldn't mind, would you uh, pray for the Zemers? And, and as he, Dean, closes out in prayer, we're supposed to have a quick, uh, I think, um, selection. We didn't make that announcement, though, did we? We'll, we'll wait till next week. But anyway, Dean, if you'll close us out uh, and remember the Zemers in prayer, and then you guys will be dismissed. Thank you, Brother Dean. possible miraculously open up a flight